Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Foster, and I'm joined by my co-host, Endo Anderson. Hello. All right. So we are two diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby, real, family-friendly, and positive. Get involved. Get involved. Yeah. So, um, Ando, how has things been for you this week? Oh, mate, it's been crazy. Um, we had my five-year-old's birthday party this weekend. Well, he's four and 363 days old at this moment. <laughs> um, and so we've just, we made something like 60 cupcakes and decorated them throughout the week. Like it's just been a whole bunch of icing and sugar highs and um, it was busy. So this weekend has been birthday parties for a friend yesterday, birthday parties for the boy today. Um, and lots of five-year-olds running around crazy and making sure they don't trip over and hurt themselves. So it's been fun, but it's nice to sit down and just chat some rugby at the end of a long weekend. So I'm going to guess that you didn't get too much rugby um, put into the weekend then. Um, I snuck some in. I watched the Force Rebels game in full, and yep. then last night, yeah, it was Cupcake Haven. <laughs> <laughs> so cupcake Haven. Yeah, something. I'm not sure if it was heaven. I was feeling pretty rubbish by the end of it. I ate <laughs> um, and then I snuck the KO Mini this morning and then I watched the KO Mini again this afternoon because I didn't have 90 minutes at any point to watch it. Yeah. But it was good to at least get the repeat of the Mini. So I haven't watched either of the Aotearoa game. So apologies, fans, but we'll be focusing mostly on the Aussie run. That's all right. I've, um, I had the Blues game on in the background today while I was doing some work and I watch the mini this afternoon while I, of the Chiefs game. So I've seen the other two games yep. and um, yeah, hopefully we can get, that should get us through the, through the round. But um, how was your yeah. week, mate? Yeah, good, good. Busy work's been busy. That's a good thing though. So, you know, there's a lot of people at the moment who aren't in work. So I'm just privileged to be in that position. So I can't complain too much. Um, but yeah, rugby's good. Rugby Challenge Four came out this week, which has been a massive. <laughs> we're gonna get to that. Yeah, we're, we're going to get into that into the. Um, we'll do a little mini review when we get into the news section. But that's been taking up a lot of my time lately, which is a good thing. So <laughs> definitely glad to have Rugby Challenge back out again. Awesome, mate. Well, um, let's just quickly jump to the socials then. So if you want to hit us up on Instagram, it's hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby. And in the Facebook group that we have is pick and drive rugby podcast. And thank you for everybody who's been getting involved. Thank, thank you to our loyal fans and listeners and commentators. We really appreciate it. So hit us up there. Mitch, what are we doing tonight? All right, so we're going to dive into, obviously, the rugby chat. We are a rugby podcast, so we'll talk about the two games for the round five of the Super Rugby AU comp, and then we'll briefly chat about round eight of the Super Rugby Aotearoa competition uh, with the, the game that finished this afternoon. So, yeah, we'll do those things, we'll, and then we'll dive into a little bit of spicy news first up. Okay, well, why don't we jump into that now? Spicy, spicy news. Let's go. All right, on to our news now. And the very first thing we want to talk about is probably the most important event in the rugby world this week. It is the release of Rugby Challenge 4. Now, I have not played the game and don't have the history of it, but Mitch, you are a massive fan. Uh, how's it been? Have you actually been sleeping? Yeah, no, it's, um, it's been, there's a bit of a story with this game. So it was initially right. meant to be released last year, sort of December or around the World Cup time. They initially said they were hoping to get the game out in time for the world cup and then the world cup came around and it wasn't out and then they said been delayed and it'd be out in january again it didn't come out in january and then we kind of had radio silence for what six months now 
And then probably a month ago, we got a little bit of news that it was coming soon. And then this week it dropped. So it's only in early access at the moment. It's still, it's still a, a work in progress. There's still a lot of work to be done on it. <laughs> oh, the joys of early access games. Yeah. So um, I, mean, I love it. I love Rugby Challenge Series. So this is, this is great. A lot of people are saying online that they're not happy that it really sort of seems to be a cut and paste job from three. And they've mm-hmm. only sort of done little tweaks here and there. And there are a lot of glitch at the moment. So mm-hmm. I still love it. I still reckon it's fun. The improvements that they've done have made it more like a rugby game than it was before. But for a lot of people, they're saying that it's not finished product that they were hoping for just yet. So um, we'll see what so happens over the coming weeks. Hope some but, patches come out, basically. Yeah, exactly. So they've got they've got a forum going where they've got fans on submitting bugs and errors, and they're going to make patches come out in the future. So yeah, it's fun. I would definitely recommend it. But it is it is about a hundred bucks. Oh, stuff that. Let's wait. Till, let's wait till it uh, comes down a little. Now, for some people listening, they might go, guys. Why are you chatting about a rugby game? Uh, rugby we're a rugby console podcast. Game. <laughs> well, we're a rugby podcast. But the additional thing, like I was going to make the joke then of EA Sports. It's in the game. <laughs> and for anybody that's played any of like FIFA or Madden or anything like that, which has been produced or created by EA Sports, you recognize the global reach that console or video games actually has. And so the idea that there is a potentially a good quality rugby game out there is really significant because it can actually broaden the popularity of the game to, yeah, yeah. to, to a market which isn't inherently what rugby union generally targets, which in Australia is generally those associated with private school private schools. So I, I just think back to my love of FIFA and I followed FIFA. I follow, I follow it with them, but I used to follow them a lot more closely when I was playing FIFA regularly with my mom. And so it's just of a video to draw people, which is really significant. And yeah, it's cool to hear that there is a okay and decent game out there, which is <laughs> going to be having some improvement from the sounds of it. Yeah, I mean, it, one of the things that's quite disappointing for us Waratahs fans is that the Waratahs actually aren't in the game. And it's really weird because um, the Wallabies are and every other Australian Super Rugby team is licensed in the game and every Mm -hmm. other Rugby Challenge game has had the Waratahs in it. But for some reason, this game, the Waratahs chose not to be included in the game. So you've you've got a, a a version of the New South Wales team in the game, but it's not the Waratahs and it hasn't got the official players. And it's weird because the players are in the Wallabies team, but they're not in the Waratahs team. And all the other Super Rugby sides are in there, just not the Waratahs and the Sunwolves and the Jaguars. I saw somebody on a Facebook group complaining about that point. And I think the creators responded to them saying something like, we inquired and we asked, but yeah. the Waratahs management never... Like well, they we, chose we not to be involved. Yeah. The, yeah. It was like a deliberate choice by the Waratahs, which is, which is just a bit weird. But anyway, like um, it doesn't make... this, this is a pretty niche topic. <laughs> Yeah, it's a niche topic, but it doesn't make any sense as to why now they're the only Australian team that's not represented in this medium. You think at the moment they're struggling, they would probably want more fan engagement, not less. So why Mm -hmm. would they not choose to be involved? I find that frustrating as a Tars fan, but, you know. Maybe their asking price was too high because, I mean, you'd probably be asking for payment for for your kind of rights to be used in that way. I don't know. But wouldn't they be getting paid? The... 
Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, anyway, look, let's move on because, I mean, there's a very niche group of people that are going to yeah, like this chat exactly. rugby challenge for. Now, sticking with all things Waratah, since we're on that point, and don't worry, this will not be the entire chat of the news, um, there are two quick things we're going to touch on. Firstly, the Waratahs have released players to competition. So basically, um, because of the COVID rules in New South Wales, you can't have players going from super rugby teams down to club training for the club one weekend and then back in a super super um, squad the following week. They have to pick and choose for the season. And so the Waratahs have released Carlo Tizano, Angus Bell and Tristan. Now the two more significant in my mind of those three is Carlo Tizano and Angus Bell and particularly Angus Bell. Um, what were your thoughts on them getting released back? Both kind of a positive and a negative? From Yeah, so um, the first two names I wasn't too surprised so Carlo Tizano had a, a good sort of start to the year and played a, a few minutes, but he didn't really, um, he, he's not, we haven't seen him in the, the second half of the year in the Super Rugby AU. Um, and Tristan Riley has, I, I don't even know what position he plays, to be honest. So um, we haven't seen him yet. So I'm not surprised that they've released those two players to go back to club rugby and sort of have an impact. And, and what the Waratahs have said is they want their players actually playing rugby. So you can train all you want, but if you're not playing rugby, then you're not, progressing as a player um and i i get that that makes sense so they're just going to be training with the team and not actually making the 23 on the match day then they're just going to be training all the time but angus bell was starting for the waratahs prior to the au break and then when he came back Mm. i'm pretty sure he's been involved in some of the games if not starting at least coming off the bench so it seems really unusual that for some reason they've dropped him and released him to go back to club rugby because now they also said in the statement that, you know, these guys are still part of the Waratah setup. They'll go back to club rugby and then we'll get them back in for preseason 2021, yep. which is such a and long... And they're still going to be monitored by the high performance. Yeah, like they'll be monitored, but they won't be training all week with mm. the Waratahs. They'll be training twice a week with their clubs now. So the fact that Angus Bell's been dropped is, seems really unusual because who do we have other than like well, the Tom starting... Well, Robinson's back from injury. And so, and it's um, Chris... Chris Talakai. Um, Talakai. Yeah. Or is it Sam Talakai? No. Chris, Chris. it's Chris. Because yeah, there's brothers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they've got those two. So I think with Tom Robertson coming back, they have just decided that Tom's well, basically the scrum has been more solid with and they must see that um maybe it's better to have Chris there for some reason over Bell and that Bell would benefit from playing week in, week out rugby. Yeah. At this stage of his career. I, so maybe I, yeah, it's a I can, I can see that, but I still thought that he was at least making the reserves. So yeah. he would potentially have some game time in Super Rugby. So yep. I don't know. I find it a bit strange. Like um I really hope that they didn't release him because of the incident that happened down in who was that Queens? The Brumbies. Which game was that where he got the yellow card? When he got, oh, that was um against Tupo. Yeah, so that was in Queensland. So yep. um yep. yeah, where he got those three sort of penalties in a row against him, which mm. some of them were quite harsh that we spoke about earlier. I hope yep. that hasn't sort of swayed the coach's opinion to think that he's not quite ready for super rugby yet because yeah, I mean, I think they'd be smart enough to see that that was one game where he was going up against yeah. a really unique player in Australian rugby, or really in world rugby, and that he is a really promising young talent. And I, I'm not sure if this is as negative a commentary on him. I think no, it's more definitely. a development opportunity. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, I just quickly looked up Tristan Riley. He is a winger. He's 21 and is, is experienced with the Australian Sevens. Cool. And yeah. 
seems to be maybe a player for the future if you can get a little bit money. So, but you know, I mean, I'm, James Ram come through pretty Yeah, positive, exactly. So we don't really need a new winger at the moment. And I do think it is good to have these Waratahs players back in club rugby as well. So, yeah, it, yeah. it would be, I would be even, I'd like to see the Waratahs release more players actually to come back to club rugby and have more of an mm. impact because, yeah, it's good to see them. Now, the, now next, the other piece of news, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll just jump in, is Waratah's captain, Rob Simmons, has put the announcement out there that he's leaving the franchise at the season to join London Irish. So, really, there needs to be a change of name because yep. they know London Aussish, Aussie. And he's going to be joining Nick Phipps, Sukopi Kepu, and Adam Coleman. And Curtis so, Rona. Oh, yeah, and Curtis Rona as well. So, basically, Michael Checkers... You reckon Checkers is going to become coach over there? I wonder. Um, basically, Checkers Waratah's team. Yeah, well, there's a lot of players there that are from there. <laughs> um, they've also got... Um, oh, blank. What's his name? Naholo as well on the wing. Yeah, yeah. Nemani, so they've, yeah. They've, um, they've got a very good side at the moment, the London Irish team. So, this is going to be a great addition for them. I just don't understand how they're staying beneath the salary cap. Like, it's just insane. The salary cap's actually gone down for the premiership next season, and yet they're still bringing in these really top quality overseas, the shenanigans. There must be some creative... Well, didn't they get a bonus as well? Because they were relegated? Or promoted, sorry? So they... Yeah, I thought that there was a bonus on the first year you got promoted up into the Div 1 premiership, and they are in that now, so they've got some kind of money to play with. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I can't say exactly what the situation is over there, but... um, one well, and Irish the were best. in the Premiership this year because um, Saracens got relegated, so they didn't have to worry about it. So they've been in the Premiership already this year. So yeah, this year, but like 2020, 2021 season, I oh, think okay. they got promoted from the 2019, 2020, or the year before, or something. Oh, okay, yeah, but, sure. Yeah, anyway, um, whatever. It's not our area of expertise, but basically, what loss is this going to leave for the Waratahs and, importantly, the Wallabies as well? Well, it's another lock that we've lost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. So it's a it's a it's a massive hole now that we've got the second row for the Wallabies this year is going to be basically two inexperienced players that you would think are going to come out of Super Rugby. I don't know at the moment off the top of my head who I'd be picking. Um, Truly, Lukan Sarkailoso is one of them, but he's um, not played yeah. as at international as a lock. He's always been as a as a blindside as flanker. A six. Yeah, yeah, but you'd have to put it in there because oh, of course, of course. But that's that's I was just saying like. Yep. We don't have an experienced mm, um, international mm. second row now. Where to yeah. go back a year or two, we that was probably the one area that we were confident as Australians that we had experience and depth in. And now it's yeah. just flipped and we've yeah. got no one. Yeah, well, the thing about Simmons is that because he's um, got 100 caps, he is able to rejoin the squad. He meets the Giddo rule requirements or Giddo law requirements of CE test caps. And the international window has actually been extended into, uh, has been brought forward into October. So it means that the rugby championship, which is set to be played in New Zealand in late October, early November, uh, he will be available to be selected for Australia in that window but i'm not too sure if his club is going to be keen with him coming over and joining and then immediately flying back to australia again to take part in the rugby chat well i wouldn't so think he, he'd be getting selected anyway i don't i yeah he's got the caps and he make and he does technically qualify but i don't think that he's the kind of player that's going to um be pushing for that starting spot at the moment yes well, he's good I'd in the line out if he stayed in a country i'd have picked him like him and Salkai loto would have been the two Locks that I would have picked for the one. 
I don't know. Uh, yeah. Who else are you going to pick over Rodder? I mean, not over Rodder. I would have picked Rodder. Um, who else are you going to pick over Simmons? Matt Phillip. He's he he's not available. He's going overseas at the end of the season. Is he? Has he signed? Has he? Yeah, he signed. He mm. signed to Power, I think, in France. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. But I, <laughs> you I see don't... my point? Like, who, who else is there? So that's why I think you'd be picking him. One, to call the line out. Two, he's really experienced. And three, he's actually played pretty well this Super Rugby Cup. Um, so, yeah. Regardless, it's a pretty massive loss. And um, I think it's really going to be felt for the Waratahs next year because they're losing yet another of their most experienced players. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting birdie, uh, squad next year. So a, a little birdie has whispered in my ear that potentially the Eritars may or may not be taking a sabbatical option for 2020. Ooh. So let's see what happens in that corner. But I'm hearing rumors that... Oh, that's big. Mm, that's mm, massive. It's a maybe. It's a maybe. It is completely unconfirmed, um, but I've heard... So let's see if that one comes to pass. Wow. Okay. Watch yeah. this space. Watch this space. And you definitely didn't hear it here first. <laughs> Just in case we get into any trouble with that. Um, now, the other pieces of news that we wanted to quickly touch on before we move on. Um, did you see Dan McKellar, so the Brumby coaches, plea about trying to stop the hype about young up-and-coming Super Rugby players for Australia? No, I actually I haven't seen this one. Is this come out in the press conference after the game? Uh, it came out... I'm not sure if it was after this game. It was in the wake of the... Um, all that furor around that rugby league teenager. Yeah. Um, what is it? Say- Sayala. And he... Say the, the, yeah. Thank you. So the discussion or negotiation between South and Rugby Australia, which was really, in my mind, just a beat up by his manager to contract. Don't manager, you did your job. <laughs> um, but basically, Mikel has come out and say, we just got to keep it cool and stop hyping up these young players before they're ready and give the young players time to do their apprenticeship for national duties. Um, what, what, did you, what do you think about that general sentiment that we shouldn't be catapulting these young players onto the... Yeah, look, there's, there's going to be... Um... There's going to be two sort of pools, I think, with these players. Some of them will be ready and capable of making that step, but not all of them. So I think we need to be very, very careful of pushing them too hard and too fast and too quickly um, into the sort of national setup because I, if we expect them to be the kind of miracle fix and come in and win the Bledisloe and all this kind of stuff, we're just setting them up for failure. And it's going to backfire on them and their development. It's going to backfire on their love for the game as well. And I feel like it's going to do a lot more harm for them than good. And their, prob- their form will probably slump. So, yeah, I definitely agree with what he's saying. We probably need to just cool it a bit and expect these guys to do really well in the next few years, but not be the, the miracle fix that we need right now to bring the Bledisloe mm-hmm. home. Another interesting point in the rugby world is that uh, ex-Fox Sports journalist Christy Doran of fame who went to um, the Waratahs pre <laughs> Absolutely. Um, he was let go by Fox Sports a couple of months ago and has been plying his trade as a barista trying to find something and he's just been signed on by rugby.com.au. So welcome back, Christy. It is great to have you writing some pretty good stories. Check out rugby.com.au. Some good articles are coming up recently. Well, actually, they have been coming up um, for a while now. But Christie's are a little bit more um, clickbaity in a good way. I'd be saying. So he 
his comments about the games over the weekend were to the effect of New Zealand sending your exposure to the quality of the Rebels, of the Reds Brumbies game. Um, so it's just nice to have a little bit of copping it, basically. Yeah, it's it's funny to see these articles coming out because I think prior they've been very kind of PC and um, mm. and positive in a, and and that's good. But yep. this article yep. that Christie's written is very much kind of sticking it back to the to the Kiwis and and having a bit of a tongue in cheek moment. So yeah. I um I I didn't realize that Christie was back. It's and I brought that to my attention right before the podcast. But I did see this article and when it came out, I was like, oh, wow, this is a bit of a different spin on things. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, welcome, Christy. It's great to have you back. And I look forward to more of this kind of banter in the media um, yep. as the weeks progress. Big shout out to Beth Newman, who's been basically, from what I understand from looking at um, the titles on the articles running rugby.com.au basically on her own for the last couple of months. Um, so very well done and has been a really great host on the Rugby Nation show along with um, McArdle as well. So Nick McArdle. So it's been really, really great to have some really good quality content happening over the last few months. But is there anything else news-wise that you wanted to touch on before we jump into the games? Nope, I don't think so. Okay, well then let's get on into it and look at the games from round five of Super Rugby AU. Cool, let's do it. Okay, so we move to the games, the Australian games for this week, round six of Australian Super Rugby AU. Round five. Round five. five. I'm excited, mate. I knew I would do that. I knew I would get it wrong. We were talking anyway, about Anyway, so who played in the first game? So game one saw the Western Force host the Rebels at Leichhardt Oval. It was a bit of a game, a home game for no one, but... Um, <laughs> The force were wearing their blue strips, so they, they got the home ground advantage. <laughs> Final score for this one was 25-20 to the Rebels. So let's look at our tips for this week and see who was closest. So I said Rebels by five. Bang on the chocolates for me. <laughs> yeah, And uh, you by. said by 10. Ooh, we had Carlos who said Rebels by 15. And Tim said the force by three. So... Chockies for you, mate. Chockies for you. I'll take that one. I will take that one. <laughs> um, by the way, I need to put it out there. Carlos is very upset. I actually work with him, and he's very upset that the chockies that he got from last week on Monday when. Kenya oh, that's on your shoulders, so, mate. Come on, you well, work with him. Yeah, the problem is we need the sweet, sweet sponsorship money to be rolling in for Pick and Drive Rugby for us to. So let's, <laughs> let's just wait and see what happens. <laughs> we need to get some anyway, like Pick and Drive itself. Rugby lollies, some like, oh, like Pick great. and Drive chocolates. Anyway, I want to get Pick and Drive um stubby holders. That'd be good. That would be good. And then we could like start some comps and stuff, but we'll look into that. Let, yeah, good idea. Let's look into it. Thank you, thank you. Anyway, let's talk about rugby. <laughs> so for those who missed this game, it was a it was a very tight match. It was actually ten all at half time, and it was twenty all at full time. So we saw our second stint of Super Rugby Super Time, and this time we actually had a result. So this, in some <laughs> ways, this was a historic match in that we was it was the first outcome from Super Time and. I was actually really impressed by the Rebels' approach to this extra time. They were firing. They just came yeah, out pumping yep. in this extra time. I mean, they benefited massively from the fact that um, the force dropped the kickoff. Yes. So the Rebels take the kickoff, first part of extra time, and Thrush goes up for it. He gets lifted up, and it goes through his hands. I think it's a knock-on and a Rebels rig. And then hammer away at the line insistently with energy, aggression, and then nicer and easier able to drive over and seal the first ever win. It only took a couple of minutes. I think it was yeah, two or three minutes. Yeah, two or three minutes, and they were over. So 
um, yeah, it was great to have an outcome. And the Rebels, Matt Tamil said after the game as the captain, they took their experience last time and realized that if they got themselves down into that to that sort of attacking zone that they really needed to just change their mindset and just go hard for the line, which is definitely what they did because they were all basically sprinting and just hitting up really, really hard. But mm-hmm. in saying that, like they, they did well to score the try and well done to the Rebels, but the force were up for it too. So that you yeah. wouldn't say that the, unfortunately they dropped that the kickoff, but they were still putting in some big hits as well. So um, in some ways you got to feel, for, I've really felt for the force in this game because they did so well to hang in there. And John Lance had a kick two minutes from full time and he, he pulled it. And yeah. this is probably the third time now that they've been so close and they've had the option. They've had the, they've been in, um, been in range of a kick and they haven't made it. And that's it. Ended up costing in the game. And it's just so, as a, if you were a force fan, you would have no hair left, I imagine, after this third close yeah, game. It's so hard because there's a few different ways of reading the forces so far. A lot of people would be praising their virtue, drive that they have, the courage and the strength, particularly in the forwards. They've been doing really, really well. Um, their back line has been pretty consistent with a couple of excellent wingers, Ralston and Johnny Lance is really well, but they've also just quality in kind of a few finishing moves at a couple of points. So right now they're sitting from what? Five, five and zero. Oh. They mm-hmm. played five games, haven't won one, and that's obviously a bad record. But they've been in the mix for every single game they've played. Well, so if you're being harsh, no. last week they pretty were close. They've been okay, apart from last week, they've been pretty <laughs> close. And even last week, like yeah, the scoreline was against them. But if you watch last week's game in full, they're not getting dominance doesn't work out in their favor. Key moments. Yes, um, they were still very competitive, and so. If you're being charitable, you would say that they're just one lucky moment away from the win. But if you're being harsh, you could say, well, they're 5-0. and oh, Maybe they shouldn't have been invited back in. Now, I don't believe that, but it could be a perspective that people are putting Look, out. Look, I don't... I haven't heard... I haven't seen that perspective from anyone. And I don't think there is anyone out there that's saying these guys don't deserve to be here. I actually think that they've done a lot better than everyone's initially thought. And I think so as well. they haven't yeah. played Super Rugby now for three years. And they're actually, they're holding their own. Yes, they haven't won any games, but they've been so close. And mm-hmm. they've been, they've, they're showing that they've got the skills and they've got the, um, the drive to, to win, but they just aren't executing enough to kind of convert that last little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great that they're back in the competition and I do do think that they're adding to the comp and they are being competitive. And the fact that like these guys haven't, a lot of these guys haven't played Super Rugby before. And mm-hmm. so I guess it does go to show that there is definitely talent over in the West and we do need to have some representation over there because without it, these guys aren't flowing into the rugby. I think when I was considering a couple of standout players, Matty Tamua has been playing really well the last couple of weeks. First few games, he wasn't um, visible in yep. my mind as he has been the last couple of weeks. Sure. He's been very strong. He's made a couple of key breaks and he's kicking the majority of his goals. And I think he's just growing into the season really well. And in my mind, like I think I still think he's more of a 12 than a 10, but he is growing into that 10 role and may well be in the Wallabies selectors to be that starting run for the Wallabies. The yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm definitely, after this game, he's my starting number 10. He's just doing everything he needs to do well. He's feeding the line well. He's taking on the line. He's making his his hits. He's actually, he got a few turnovers in this game as well from big hits. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got that physicality about him that is really good for a, for a 10. Like, I don't think Foley sort of lost, 
probably lost that in the last few years at the end of his sort of tenure. Um, I wouldn't say Christian Liofano had the ability to make those big hits as a 10. He was more of a, um, a kicking and a better overall play kicker. Uh, he so, would make his tackles, but he'd never have that dominance that to me. Yeah, so he, he would he would be strong. He'd be sound in his his defensive abilities, but he wouldn't be mm. dominant in that he wouldn't be turning over balls and knocking them loose and that kind of stuff. Which um, Tamua has got a few in the last two or three weeks. So I'm I'm really impressed with his sort of progression. Who else stood out to you from the game? Um, Brian Ralston is doing well. Yep, he's, he's top um, of the he's top of the trot. I think so. I don't know who is. I haven't actually checked that. But yeah, he's he's sort of going from strength to strength. He's doing really well for a young guy. Um, Izzy Nicerani's doing really well. How good to have him back. That's yeah. his first game back from injury. Yeah, so he was he was everywhere. He scored the last try to win the game as well. So yeah. well done to Izzy. And um, yeah, apart from that, those are the sort of the players that jump out. I don't have anything in my notes about anyone else. I think the force really... is definitely struggling... Um, with not having Ian Pryor. Yeah, he, he was listed in the starting squad and then pulled out a couple of hours before the match began. So it's obviously they were trying to rush him back from a shoulder injury, um, but he didn't warm up or something. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what happened there. I've got one quick point I wanted to say before we move on to the next game, and that was just um, more of a coaching decision more than anything, but I found it quite mm-hmm. unusual. In the 68th minute, the Rebels replaced their whole front row in one go. Oh, yeah. Now, I've, I've seen it over the years, a few teams do this, but... Um, it never really sits well with me. So South Africa what, did it at the World Cup. Yeah, so but they had a very dominant scrum. So, mm. and their reserves came on and did well. In this instance, it didn't work out for them at all. So they came on and they lost the, the first two scrum penalties they gave away. Oh, um, really? And to me, that just doesn't make sense. Like, why you would place the whole scrum row front row? I feel like you should we probably should keep the hooker or one of the props on and just keep that stability and sort of have a progression going through. But because when you change that whole front row, it changes the whole dynamic of the scrum. You've got a different mm. guys who will hit differently, who will have different timing, all kinds of things. Um, and yeah, I just, I was, I thought it was quite interesting and I thought, oh, this could be the turning point here. This could be the, the way that the force win the game. And luckily the rebels sort of got through and, and won it at extra time. But um, it, we could have been talking about a completely different thing. Maybe. Maybe. There's been all to talk about Trevor Hosea for the Rebels, who played at lock alongside Matt Phillip. And I thought Hosea was really, really... Um, he was impressive. I think we could mention Dan McKellar's quotes about stop hyping players up. He's yep. had a couple of good games. Well done. Keep it going. Do the entirety of the super season. And then we'll see if you're in the frame for at least an extended training school for the Wallabies. Yeah, um, exactly. I, so that was that was to see a young lock. The other thing I just wanted to say about Nasirani is I was I was thinking about Mikela's quotes, particularly in regards to number eight, because at the moment you've really got three choices at number eight when you're looking ahead to later in the year. You have Pete, yep. you have Harry Wilson up at the Reds, and then you've got Izzy. And in my mind, I don't think Harry Wilson should. Yep. And I'll, that is not to say that he incredibly well. And I, th- I think he's brilliant. When we're going to get to the chat about the Brumbies Reds game in a moment, but he was fantastic and has been playing really, really. He had a couple of off wins like Matty's played, but overall, he's been great. My yeah, I think this was is, his though, first. This was his first game back to the form that he had prior to the break. Yeah. But yeah, we'll get into that. Okay. Yeah, and so my, my general thought is really the number eight position for later in the year for the Wallabies is between Samu and Nasirani. 
And I don't see Wilson really in the equation as kind of match day 23, probably oh, okay, in the really? training squad. No, I don't, I don't see yep. it. Because um, you probably start Nasirani and have Samu on the bench because he can cover six and um, Yeah, exactly. He's a utility eight. back rower. Yeah, exactly. Well, he can play seven as well. Rower. Yeah, true. And he's, we're going to talk about it in a moment and maybe we should just jump over to it, but he's just developing really, really well and is adding different um, playing styles and skills to his repertoire. And I just think we need to avoid rushing his players in early. Gosh, we've got some good income that are there who really need to be ousted rather than throwing the young guy in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, should we jump over to the Brumbies Reds game then? Since yeah, we're definitely. Still talking about half the players anyway. So the round, the game, sorry, game two of the round saw the Reds host the Brumbies in Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane. Uh, no, it wasn't. No, other, way around. Saying? other way around. Brumbies hosted the Reds. <laughs> <laughs> Brumbies hosted the Reds. Far out. How many, I'm just off it tonight, apparently. Um, yeah, so the final score for this one was 22 to 20. Correct. And uh, who gets the chockies here, Mitchell? Oh, yes, that's right. We are doing the picks. I already so, know the answer to this one. Ando said five to the Brumbies. I said three. We had Tim saying Brumbies by five. And Carlos said uh, Reds by two. So So close. Mitchell, that's another one for me. Mate, I'll take you that. better go on some extra run. That's <laughs> a lot of chocolate. Knows? It's a lot of chocolate in your way. Um, this was a fantastic game. I really, really enjoyed it. And um, the the way that I first encountered this game was a lot of their outrage on Twitter. So uh, how do you feel about just talking about two points of contention to start with, get them yep. out of the way, and then talk about all the points? Let's go for it. Okay, cool. So there are two main issues within this game. The very first one was the Reds try in the 42nd minute. Oh, so the second gosh. minute of extra time in the first half. We'll, we'll get to that in a sec. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and okay. then the second moment was the actual penalty given against the Reds. So Fraser McWright in the 82nd minute of the game that the Brumbies then convert to win. So Mac had clutch to win the Brumbies the game. So let's start off with the first one. So Jordi Pattaya, um Scores a try. Welcome back, Jordy. After... Well, what a Welcome game. Welcome back. Welcome back. He absolutely gunned it. He didn't even play the full minutes, but he was so dominant. Um, he basically, Jordy Pattaya, uh, the, the Brumbies do a really sweeping attack, and there's this brilliant offload to Tom Wright, um, who juggles it, juggles it whilst running at full pace, kind of loses control of the ball. Salakai so, uh, comes across and smashes. <laughs> Reds gather control, spread out wide about six or seven phases later. Yeah, it's a good two. the line it's and good. score the try. It's two and a it's half a, minutes. It's a couple of minutes. It's a it's couple two and of and minutes, minutes, but yeah. the game doesn't stop. It's all continuous phases and it's the same extended. Okay. Yep. So this, the try is scored. Um, James O'Connor is lining up to take the kick and then the TMO intervenes and says, actually, no, you've got to go back and take a look at Samo, Samu's, um, not Samu, Salakai Loto's tackle on right. And it turns out it's a pretty heavy hit, which if you're a Reds fan, it starts on the shoulder and goes up to the head. And if you're probably more impartial, it, it's, a, it's a high it, it's a high shot. Oh, so really? Yeah. In Seriously? My mind, mate, Come it's, on. It's, it, I don't know if you're being facetious here or not. No, mate, on a, my, my view on this was the fact that Tom Wright, yes, he's run through. He's already lost the ball. So yep. he juggled it forward. It's a knock on. Yep. He then falls into the contact. So he's already falling. 
So you've got to take that. Falling disagrees with my definition of what falling is, but carry on. So what if you've lost moment, you've <laughs> lost your feet and you're falling towards the ground and you're. Watch it again. He's not falling, but anyway, carry on. I disagree that he's not falling to the ground at that point. He's going to ground. Like he's dived after the ball. So maybe he's not falling, but he's he's got momentum towards the ground. Talakai Loto comes in and does make contact, but it's not, it's ineffectual. It's ineffectual because the game plays on. The game playing on has nothing to do with whether a tackle is ineffectual or not. But he's already lost the ball. Yeah, yeah, but it is if okay. So the point is, if it is a high tackle, then that's an action of foul play. So whether the game plays on or not is irrelevant to the fact that it's a foul. Um, it's a foul play, if that makes sense. I, I don't think so, it was foul play though. Like I, yeah, I, I know you're I'm obviously saying, disagreeing, but my point yes. is, if it no, was I, I foul see what play, you're saying. Yes, but I, my my view is that he was going to the ground, and he's yep. he's already committed to the tackle, and he's come in, and yes, the contact was high, but he didn't like he. It didn't sort of go anywhere. He didn't commit. He didn't wrap the arm around and commit to the tackle. He kind of just bumped off the shoulder. Yeah, it's a really interesting one because even with you and I discussing it now, it's coming out that we've got wildly divergent opinions, on it. and we're not even Reds fans, or we're not well, even. Oh, I'm half fans. of a Red fan, I would say. <laughs> I'm impressed with it. This After week, so. yeah, they, they've been playing well. But it's so fascinating because this is obviously a fantastic example of the controversy that's around this try. And so the, the play then goes on and the Reds will try. So it's just so interesting to see the discussion that goes on because I have, like I've just said, on the opinion that it was a high shot. So even though there was this extended, yeah, I may not agree with the fact that it'd be taken back that far, but I understand it and it's within the law. Whereas you look at the original tackle, and you don't think because of the mitigating circumstances that it should have been a penalty against Sakai Loto. Is that fair enough to summarize your thoughts? Yeah, exactly. If you watch it in yeah, real time, yeah, okay. I don't think that it should have even been a, a penalty. Yeah, and look, to be fair, at the time, I didn't think it was too bad. And the commentators didn't even mention it, really. I watched the game, like I said earlier, I watched yeah. the game, the mini, twice. And they don't mention a high shot when it happens at all. And exactly. it's only after the ref's whistle is blown to indicate that they're looking for the penalty and actually go back. Oh, actually, this might be for that high shot. So it's only well after the... Yeah, look, I just, I think, I I just find this so frustrating as for the Reds in that there's there's contention whether it's even a penalty or just it's it's high contact. But I I would argue that he's falling into the contact. Okay, yep. So there's no malice in it. The fact that they've overturned a try is is where the issue is here because mm. they've gone back too far, but the the penalty shouldn't have even been awarded in the first place. The fact that they've gone back and disallowed the try from that is, I, I would say that it's unfair. Yeah, and look, I think the, the, the point of contention here is whether or not it's a penalty. They're well within their rights because it's the same sequence of play to go back. Maybe there needs to be a consideration in future of whether there's a limit of how much play, like how many rucks there came while back. You can only go back five rucks or six. There was something that came out around the World Cup around it as well. Okay. Um, But I think that that was only in world rugby, not in super rugby. Well, mate, let's quickly move on and get to the second one. Um, Otherwise, we're going to talk about all the negatives before we talk about the awesome positives in this game. So let's just quickly run through this. So it's the penalty against Fraser McWright. Have you had a detailed look at this by any chance? Uh, I haven't gone back, no. Yeah, cool. I went back and deliberately had a look at it. Yeah, you go. Go. But basically, Fraser McWright, um, he he goes in for the turnover on the ball. And... 
and he's he's on his feet he's going for the ball and he kind of gets knocked over at the final and the ref's like hands off hands off he looks up at nick berry he's off and slightly bumps isaac fines the scrum half and then berry just puts out the arm and says not playing with the um interfering with the scrum half um and it was so harsh in my mind because he's making a genuine attempt to compete for the ball and he is listening to the instructions of the referee and in my mind impact on the scrum half was minimal and it was a it was a bit more of a pedantic implementation of a law that i just think was a harsh way to decide i would have hoped for a little bit more um I don't know. Experience, like, um, common yeah, sense. Nuance, like, yeah, like yeah, a, it just—it didn't seem like a game should be decided on minimal impact on the scrum half when a player is listening to the referee and trying to do what they said. Yeah, I mean, you could argue as well that he's actually won the ball. Like he's—he's he's yeah, the jackal, yeah, was, and so close. his hands on the close. ball. So you mm. could—he could have the penalty could have rightly gone to the Reds in the fact yeah. that he's won the ball. The scrum halves actually come in and. Pull, tried to pull the ball out of his hands and then fallen over. So in some ways, he's actually won the breakdown and he's being penalized against, like he's the dominant player there and he's penalized for that. And yeah, exactly what you're saying is it's frustrating that the referee doesn't have the um, the awareness to go, the game's in, in in the balance here. If I award this, this is, this is like, this is such a, this is a penalty for the sake of a penalty. Like yeah. the ball, the, he had the ball anyway. So if you yeah. played on, he would have just there would have been another breakdown and they would have kicked it out. They would have lost the game. Well, mate, why don't we? Because we're both in agreement, and I kind of don't want to stick on the negatives too much, or at least contentious refereeing decisions, because this was a fantastic game of rugby. And yeah, before we just before we move really... off this, I just um I think it's something that what rugby Australia definitely needs to address. We were talking about referees' performances last week, and then again this week we've we've got another issue, um, and it's just getting a bit much really because. When you look at New Zealand, the New Zealand comp, we're not having these same issues where games are being decided or such. Um, it doesn't seem like there's such disparity between the sides. Like last week, we were talking about we felt like the Waratahs were unjustly um, uh, penalized by the referee, over, overly penalized yeah. by the referee. Now we're talking yeah. about the referees making call, making pedantic calls that are resulting in the outcome of the game. But if you look at the New Zealand games we're not having any of these issues mm. so i think it's something I if, that yeah, you go. i just think it's something that the referees need to address they probably need to say guys you know like put your put the whistle back in the pocket for a bit because there are a lot of penalties in this comp in the australian side and a lot of the penalties are pedantic things that actually don't have any um outcome on the game they're blowing penalties for like guys rolling the wrong way but the ball's still at the back of the the breakdown with the number at yeah. the number nine's feet like let the game play there was a there was a fantastic example of that in the rebels force game where who's who's the rebels number seven um on the number six uh, uh, uh i'm having a mental blank number seven um, anyway my uh, wells michael wells um, he's eight isn't he yeah sorry yeah anyway so back row for the oh, back row for the rebels he um there was a line out move and he oh went, yes when he was moving he went down the center of the line out instead of going around the outside had zero impact upon the play and uh he gets pulled up as a penalty for that and i'm like oh my gosh it had no impact give him a warning tell but did him you, not to do it again did you hear what and angus he said, says yep, to him because oh, oh, I, I spoke, spoke to you about, about this last week, week. 
doesn't matter. We're playing a completely different well, game here. I don't care. It's a new game. It's a new game. Start it. Start it afresh. Say, hey, I spoke to you about this last week. Don't do that again. Otherwise, it's that would be the same thing as like or... that would be the same thing as giving someone a red card and saying you got a yellow card last week. This is your second yellow card. No, it's a new game. <laughs> like it's the first time this yep. infringement has happened. Don't just go straight to the penalty. Yep. We need to get penalties out of the game. We need to let the game flow. All right, let's anyway. move on. I don't want to talk about negative stuff anymore because this was a fantastic game of rugby and we only have a few minutes left for our chat on these matches. So who stood out for you? Who did you, or what did you really like about this game? Because it was a fantastic game of rugby. Yeah, I thought both teams just really stood up for it. It, it was the, the mm. top of the table clash and it really felt like it and it delivered it. Like there was big hits, there was scrum contests, there was breakdown contests, like everything about this game was a contest and it was an arm wrestle all the way through, which I thought was fantastic. Um, I thought the Reds did really well to match the Brumbies' physicality, especially in the forward pack. Um, I thought yep. that Fraser McWright had a really good game. Uh, sorry, no, Harry Wilson. Were, were, Harry, um, Wilson, Harry Wilson played yep. really well. He made a number of mm-hmm. um, really good breaks and he was sort of, he had a good impact in two of their tries in the second half when they made that um, sort of charge and, and sort of switched the game on its head. So I thought, yeah, I was really, I was really impressed by the Reds. I thought that the Rebels were going to, uh, sorry, the Brumbies were going to smash this game in. Um, but yeah, no, the Reds did really well. And at halftime, I thought the Reds probably had, didn't do as much as they would have or could have in that first half. Um, but I was really yeah, impressed with their the second Brumbies half performance. Dominated. Yeah. Yep. So the Brumbies had some insane amount of possession for the first half. And really, it fits that wonderful cliche that we love to bring out a game of two halves. And the Brumbies dominated the first, whilst the Reds really came back so strong out of the sheds and were dominant within the 20 to 30 minutes of the second half before the Brumbies were to claw their way back in. Like so many experienced sides do. And I think that was a really key factor to take away from this game is that the Brumbies are learning have learned and continue to demonstrate the capacity to win ugly and I mean you could point to the fact that they only scored three tries well sorry the three tries that they scored were only scored from rolling malls Um, but I mean last week they scored two fantastic tries off uh, turnover ball and breakout play yeah so it shows the capacity that the Brumbies have to adapt the style of play to conditions, to tactical requirements of the opposing team. Uh, it's They're just a really well-balanced and well can do the core things right. And if you have a rolling mall that is, as theirs is, well, why not use it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it gets a bit frustrating sometimes as a, <laughs> yes. as a rugby fan to sit there and go, oh, we're going to get another try from a rolling mall here. But if you've got that weapon, use it. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know what opposition teams need to do to diffuse that because it's such a tricky area of the game that if you're dominant in that area you're going to score most of the time because if you try and sack it and bring it down you're going to get penalized if you try and come through you're going to get penalized it's it's such an uh, it's smart by the brumbies to to have such a dominant in this area if you do it well you're going to get if you think about the players who used to be fantastic at dismantling them all it was uh, rory arnold and Will Skelton are the two that I can particularly think of who are fantastic at it. And what do they both have in common? They're absolute giants who have incredibly long extendo gadget yeah. arms. Because they can, can just reach just straight reach through and yeah, keep the half back in the mall. Yeah, yeah. So we just don't have somebody with the frame that either of them had. And so I wonder if the strength of the Brumbies rolling mall in this competition is partly due to the weakness of the locking stocks around the country. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, yeah, that's an and, interesting. And last week, the, the mall wasn't as dominant and 
who was um, in the Force scrum. You have Thrush, who's ex-New Zealand international, who's playing really, really well and is that big, strong, tall defense um, lock. So yeah. I just wonder if, yeah, they, they didn't play it last week because they knew the strength and played more back on attack. And this week, they identified that locking was a weakness for the Reds and decided to just go with the rolling more. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're showing their hand, aren't they? So they're showing that they're mm. a team that have that ability to switch it up a bit. Um, yeah. And that's that's what they've probably lacked in the last few years and why they haven't gone that one step further. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think these, this Brumby side's probably going to end up being undefeated this year. They've come mm. close twice now. Like, this is the second get-out-of-jail card that they've pulled. Yep. Um, I don't think anyone else will get too close to them from now. They'll probably just seal out the comp in the last yeah, few Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that they're doing really well, which is impressive. The continuity of play from the Brumbies and from the Reds, but I noticed it um, in the first few minutes of the game, the capacity they have to keep the ball in to keep possession of the ball and rack up high phase counts is really really uh impressive because it shows the ball security but also the confidence they have in spreading the ball out wide but still retaining possession probably helps having a massive frame like to be the out there to make sure that you um get dominance over the game line or then to be able to secure the ball and stop a turnover. Um, the other thing that was really impressive from the Brumbies in my mind was Pete Samu, yeah. um, mostly for two reasons. One, because uh, actually three reasons. One, because sometimes we forget to talk about him when he really deserves <laughs> it. Um, number two, because he plays with shirt tucked in and I love that. It's just old <laughs> and school and up. it looks great. Oh yeah. Got all good out on the field. And then the third one is he, he seemed to, in this game, play with a little bit more license to roam wider. And what he was able to do then really well, in my mind, was to straighten the attack out wide, get his shoulders through the tackle, and then look for the offload quite well because he's such a big unit. But he's also quite fast. Um, and the other thing that he could do was he actually took a couple of little tactical kicks and turned the defense around because the Brumbies were really trying to kick to their wingers, right and cutter. Um, and it... A couple of times, the bounces just didn't come off to kind yeah. of pop into the winger's hands. Yeah. But it was an obviously deliberate play, and Samu was contributing to that as well. Now, I don't always want my number eight to kick, but it's good <laughs> to know that he can if he needs to. Um, so it was well, Harry just, Wilson's another Samu number eight who can again. kick as well. We've seen him Ooh, do a cheeky yep. few kicks through as well. So, yep. yeah. So it's just good to see him with those skills, and I, I really enjoyed watching. Yeah, it was a great game. It really was the top of the table clash. And look, I feel, I feel sad. I feel um, bad for the Reds. Like they did so well to come mm. back into it. But, yep. you know, the Brumbies really are just all class and they deserve the win as well. So, you know, well done to the yep. Brumbies. And, you know, we may see these two teams battle it out again in the final. Yeah, I think so. I think they're definitely the two best teams in Australian rugby. Yeah, they'll take, take and... a bit of an upset in the sort of playoffs yeah. for, for both of them not to make it. But I don't see... I don't see any other team having the ability to upset either of them. Maybe the Rebels upsetting the Reds. Well, unless the Waratahs can pull something out of the bag, like they did against the. <laughs> well, I mean, unless against the, the Brumbies, like they had the Brumbies. Yeah, true. Pinned. True. So anyway, maybe, we'll talk about that when we get to our predictions. Yep. Yep. So I think that's it for this game. I, oh, you know what? We really can't finish it without saying well done, Mac Hansen, on getting that clutch kick. It was yeah. absolutely fantastic. You, <laughs> that was a very very tense. Uh, I think he's born and bred kind of Quinbian area or at least played all his junior rugby down there. So he's been a mass. Congratulations. Enjoy the moment. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool. Let's um, move on. We'll briefly chat about our, um, the New Zealand games and uh, then we'll do our predictions. So let's move to the next segment.
Let's roll. Okay, so now we move across the ditch to our New Zealand cousins to talk about the the two games from round nine, nine, eight or nine. I don't whatever <laughs> whatever nine, number it is, <laughs> whatever it is for Aotearoa. So the first game of the weekend saw the Crusaders play the Chiefs. This um, our predictions for this game actually. So I we had said, um, and you said Crusaders by twelve. I said Crusaders by seven. Tim said Crusaders by 12, and Carlos said Crusaders by 7. Ooh, okay, cool. So basically it's uh, pairs, people pairing up against each other. Yeah. All right, and the outcome was? 32-19 to the Crusaders. Let me do math. 32-19 is uh, 13 points? Yes. Yeah, That's cool. Correct. Awesome. So I get the chockies. You get the chocolates this week. For Along the- with Tim. Along with Tim. Nice, nice work. So you have you didn't get to see this game, did you, Ando? No, I didn't. Sorry. Yeah. So this game went pretty much to plan. Um, it was hosted by the Chiefs, so it was in Hamilton, or I think it was in Waikato somewhere. Actually, I don't think it was in Hamilton, but um, yeah, it, it went to plan. The Crusaders just sort of flexed and and did what we all thought that they were going to do, and got out to a pretty handy lead early. The Chiefs did well to come back in the sort of at halftime. They were fairly close. I can't remember the exact score. Um, and in the second half, they hung in there. But the Crusade, this Crusaders team just has that ability to just step it up a knot. Um, and they really did that. So, yeah, credit to the Crusaders. Another one, another scalp. Um, Chiefs, unfortunately, again, another loss. This is getting dire now for, um, for Gatlin. It's not going to change. Who are they playing next week? The Hurricanes? Next week, they are playing the Hurricanes. Yes, you're right. Yeah, they're not going to win. So, congrats on a nutty run. Uh, how? What is the size of the thing that you need to run around like without clothes on if you lose an entire competition without winning a game? Like, is it? Surely it's the, the town or something. Like, yeah, it's the town. It's I mean, not, it's it, not the main street. It's got to be. <laughs> it's got to be a long run, and it's got to be the team, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Probably coaches as well. Although nobody really wants that, do Although, they? I don't really want to see Gatlin run around the No, nuts. I don't want to see any of them. But <laughs> <laughs> there's got to be some type of punishment here, everybody. All right. Yeah, like it's, it's not good. This is just the year to forget for the Chiefs, unfortunately. And this Crusaders team just goes from strength to strength. And they're just scoring points left, right and center. And everything that they do, they do very well. Their scrum is dominant. Their ability to break down, they just win every contest. Their back line is just electric. So they're really great to watch. Um, it was a bit of a surprise last week that they got beaten, actually, but that mm. came down to Mawanga missing the kick at the end. So, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't see what what really lies ahead for the Chiefs other than a bit more dismay and misery. Yeah, um, Aaron Cruden. One thing I noticed on Twitter, um, Aaron Cruden is going to Japan at the end of the season, so he is joining Japanese club Kabelko Steelers. Well, that's so, not surprising. No, it's I can't not. say that's I too think- surprising. He's, he's basically got his last contracts. He's 31 years old. Actually, no, he's, he'll have a few more years. He's a back, so they can play for a little bit longer. Well, it's a, so, he's a halfback. That's a pretty. That's a lot of running. Yeah. Um, Especially so, when you're up against yeah. like when you're up against the likes of um. Wait, no, he's not a halfback. What am I saying? Half. He's, Sorry, he's fly half. Fly yeah, fly half. Anyway. Yeah. So I, anyway, he's going over to Japan at the end of the season. So credit. Was, to, good luck to him. Wasn't uh, he already? Wasn't he already on some kind of contract in Japan? And he came over as like a cover down here to play I'm, some... I'm actually not too sure. I wonder if because the Japanese season finished yeah. early, that's why he ended up coming home. 
That was another uh, thing that um, I saw, um, and I'll, I'll mention it again when we talk to the next game, but um, Christian Liliofano was at the uh, the Brumbies game. I don't know if you noticed, running the yeah, water in the team. Yeah, he's been with the Brumbies. So yeah. he's, he's in some sort of coaching capacity now, the fact that he can't play in Japan. So it's cool to see mm-hmm. that. There's players yep. back and, and hanging around the squads. Something else yep. we actually forgot to mention in our news is that um, Julian Surveyor has signed Surveyor. With, yep. with the Hurricanes for Huge. basically immediately. So I don't yep. know when he's due to arrive, but I, I think he'll be playing next week. So He must have come into the country earlier than and done his isolation already because he would have been coming back from... Yeah, because from what I saw, it said that he was joining the team immediately. Um, okay. So I don't know cool. if that was kind of along the lines of he's done his isolation, he's now out and he's going to join the team or if he's two weeks away, I'm not sure. They're, they're in the bye this week, so... Yep. Okay. Yeah, next week. Anyway, let's move on to the next game. So the next game was played this afternoon. So the Blues played the Highlanders. Um, this was down in Otago. Um, the picks for this one was, we actually said this two weeks in a row, so we should know what they were by now. <laughs> but uh, Ando, you said Blues by eight. I said Blues by 10. Tim said Blues by three. And Carlos said Blues by 12. So and I think Carlos the gets the chocolates there. Was? The final oh, I didn't say that, have I? Uh, 32 no. 19 to the Blues. So that's 13 again? Yep. Okay, so is that Carlos with the Chockeys? It is. Yes. Awesome. Well done. Carlos, well done, mate. Well done. So two for you, one for myself and Tim, and one for Carlos. So What's I the actually to go get around? all of the Chockeys. No, no, no. Because no, I got two. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but, um, we share the love around. Yeah, so I saw this game again, another. Um, another sort of predictable outcome for this. The Blues, this Blues team is, is also doing really well. Their back line, Caleb Clark and Terra Black is doing really well. And yeah, they're just, they're really good to watch. Again, Aaron Smith did some freakish things. You haven't seen this game, have you, Ando? No, I haven't seen them. So in the, in the second oh, actually, that's not true. I saw Caleb Clark bump someone off in when he caught the ball from like a cross kick or something like that and then bumped a player off and offloaded. That's what yeah, I've seen. Yeah, no, he's got a great skill set, that guy. Um, but in the second or third minute, Aaron Smith saves a try by I've never seen anyone do do this before, but they place the ball down and he gets his foot underneath. So he ends up oh, placing the ball on his foot and then he just oh sort of stands goodness. there and he's just lying there with, <laughs> he just stands there with his foot under the ball and it, yeah, it's, it's held up. So it, it's really cool. He's, he's doing well. Again, we're saying that week after week, but <laughs> far out. Like this guy just keeps motoring. He's just playing 80 minutes every week and he's just doing so well. But unfortunately, he's behind a, a team that can't really string it all together. Mm-hmm. Well, mate, I have absolutely nothing to say about this game. So I apologize. I can't add anything that is insightful. Yeah, I can't. Uh, anything you want to say I before had, we move on to I had on it on in the background, so I, can't, I don't have too much to say. But one, one brief point that's not really about the rugby but um it was great to see ben smith was at the game and oh cool yep. he was he was there with his family and he was actually sitting in the stands so i thought that was pretty cool he was wearing like a local rugby old rugby top um must be just oh, like great. a local team oh, great. and i thought that was yep. really cool because you don't often see them just sitting in the stands with everyone else like he, he played for them for so many years he's captained them he could be in the box with the coaches or anything and he's just out there with the fans with his family he's enjoying it, eating a pie so, yeah, it's great to see that he's just like everyone else, really. And that's cool. <laughs> well, mate, why don't we hit up the predictions and we'll just jump straight into them. So, yeah, for Super Rugby AU, round six, game one on the Friday night is the Rebels hosting the Brumbies. So, I'm so this not one's exactly gonna be played sure at, where this game is. This is at Leichhardt Oval. Yeah, Leichhardt Oval. It is at Leichhardt. 
So another okay, cool. double header for Sydney next weekend. Brilliant. So Rebels versus Brumbies. Let's just quickly do it, mate. What is your prediction? The Brumbies are just on form at the moment. They're on fire. I don't see the the Rebels upsetting this one. I kind of expected a little bit more from the Rebels in the um, in this week. Like I thought that the Force yeah. did well to hang in and to sort of tie it up at the end there. Uh, I yeah. think the Brumbies will just be that that level above, and they'll probably come home quite strong. So I'm going to say Brumbies by 10. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I was legitimately about to say by 10. So I'm going to go just to make it fun by 14. Ooh. So Brumbies by 14. Yeah, I think they're just going to... I think the Rebels are in for a bit of a pasting because I don't think they've got the consistency yet to match them. Um, sure. We move to game two on a Saturday night that you're going to be heading out to and I need to check things, but I'm aiming to as well. Yes, so sweet. Waratahs are hosting the Reds. And that's at the SCG. Now, I'm hoping we haven't got an official um, confirmation yet, but I'm hoping that this ends up being Heritage Round, being that it's back at the SCG and it's against mm-hmm. the uh, the old enemy being the Queensland Reds. So I'm hoping that we see the Waratahs playing in their Heritage jerseys. Um, and cool. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We haven't heard anything yet, but that's what I'm hoping for. Okay, now that you're hoping for that, <laughs> my pick for that is, well, pick for the game. I unfortunately think the Reds are going to get up and I think they will probably do so quite convincingly. So I'm going to okay. say Reds by 10 before you can steal my margin. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, look, I'm hoping that the Waratahs put a performance like they did against the, the Brumbies. I think, like they've had the bye now. I think... After the performance against the Rebels, Dave, uh, not Dave, Rob Penny came out and said that the team sort of weren't mentally prepared for it and weren't up and had the physicality that they were they needed that they had the week mm-hmm. before. So I think that's something he's probably going to address. I'm hoping that they they show up and they put in a good performance, but I don't think they're going to have enough in them to beat the Reds. I think it will be tight though. So I'm going to say Reds by three. Okay, and let's. Jump over the Dutch over to New Zealand and Some the first troops. game. Yeah, be good is the Hurricanes versus Chiefs. So Hurricanes are basically up there with the Blues competing to try and take down the Crusaders, and the Chiefs are the bottom dwellers. So yeah. how do you see this match going, Mitchell? Look, it really only has to go one way. The Hurricanes did so well last week to beat the Crusaders at home, and mm-hmm. now they've um. They've had the bye, so I think they're going to be riding that high from that victory. And I, I just this Chiefs team can stay in it for probably sixty minutes, but they don't seem to have the full eighty in them. Uh, so I'm yep. going to say Hurricanes by four. Hurricanes by damn it, Mitch, stop doing this. Oh. That's legitimately what I was going to say. You're going to have to um, go twenty-one I then. Wonder large and say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go by. Um, I'm going to say by seven, so two tries, so 17. I don't think it's going to be an absolutely gigantic well out of three try margin, but yep. I think it's going to be big. And then we move to the second match, which is Crusaders versus the Highlanders. So what's your pick for this game? Look, we've said it week in, week out. Again, like the Chiefs, the Highlanders just don't seem to be the side that's going to um, pull off a, a massive upset that this would really be. I don't think they've got the team available to beat the Crusaders, so... It's only going to be one way. And this is played in um, Christchurch as well. So I'm going for the Crusaders. I'm going to say by 20. Okay. I don't think it's going to be by that much because he's playing. So oh, I himself? think it's going to be by... Yeah, it's just him, him just... versus the Crusaders. <laughs> so I think it's going to be Aaron Smith by three. No, I think it'll be Crusaders <laughs> by 10. Crusaders by 10 is my pick. Okay. Well, that's our pick. So... We'll, we'll, I think we... we can wrap up the pod, mate. 
Yeah, so we're going to put those up on social media this week. We generally go up on about Friday morning. Uh, we'd love to hear what you guys think the, the scores are going to be. So give us a follow on Facebook or a like or um, on Instagram and comment what you think the score is going to be. And the closest person is going to get a shout out. So thank you, everyone, who's been doing it the last few weeks. Keep doing it. We love hearing it. And yeah, we're going to have to get these chocolates organized, Ando, if we keep talking about chockies because people are going <laughs> to start expecting chockies, something. <laughs> yes luckily i only work with one of the people who comments regularly so i don't have to dish out too many unless he keeps winning <laughs> um but i just want to thank everybody for getting to this part of the pod it's been great to be here with you and just chat about all things rugby and really hope you have a wonderful week and that the weekend rugby games are as exciting particularly as a rebel as a red brumbies was uh so thank you everybody mitch anything you want to say before we sign off no, yeah, good weekend of rugby coming up. So we love to, um, yeah, look forward to, to getting into that. And yeah, have a good week, everyone. We'll catch you next week. Yeah. Catch you later. Bye. Cool. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. You can follow us on social media at the following outlets. Follow our Facebook page at Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. Send us a tweet at at pick underscore drive rugby Follow our Instagram at pick underscore drive underscore rugby or send us an email at pickanddriverugby at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any questions or feedback you may have, so get in touch. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next week.